Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Now preparing worm poison. Strap in folks, the nerds have arrived, bringing you the ultimate nerd podcast. Nerds, the worlds of gaming, horror, TV, and film have collided right here. This will be your finest hour. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we've got a film review for Dune Part 2. Plus, we're discussing all the latest news and rumors in Nerd. And we've got predictions for AEW's Revolution. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some Amazing Nerd Show swag. All right, so this week we got a five-star review from Drop Bodies, Bang Hotties. Uh, it reads, Nerdtacular Show. Uh, these two are a fun listen to. I love the thought process these two do on breakdowns on shows and movies. I don't watch outside of WWE, so I love hearing them explain what's going on on other wrestling platforms. I would definitely recommend to anyone. Uh, thank you so much, Drop Bodies, Bank Hotties. Uh, I think we just like your name at this point. Right. <laughs> uh, Drop Bodies, Bank Hotties actually has their own podcast uh, called Zio to Hero. Uh, they talk, you know, all things Power Rangers, anime, movies, comics, you know, nerd culture stuff. So, and I'm sure you can find them on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, but we absolutely appreciate the review. Um, it's the lifeblood of this podcast. Uh, it's Absolutely. You know, how people find our podcast. Uh, and we, you know, besides the algorithm of it all, we absolutely appreciate hearing the positive feedback. So, so if you haven't, you know, left a review yet, please do so. And you know what? If you've left a review in the past, there's nothing wrong with leaving another one. Also, if you'd like to further support The Amazing Nerd Show, make sure to check out our Patreon in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash amazingnerdshow. But with that said, let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. All right, up first, we've got a huge Superman Legacy update. With the start of production this week, James Gunn unveiled a new title for Superman Legacy, which will now just be called Superman. We also heard from THR that Wendell Price of Jack Ryan and The Wire fame will be playing Perry White in the film. Perry first debuted in Superman number seven back in 1940 and is the editor-in-chief of the famed Daily Planet, where Clark and Lois work at. Superman the film is still scheduled for a July 11th release next year. So Wendell Price feels like the perfect fit for Perry White. Um, anytime you can cast Wire alumni, you do it. Uh, as far as the title change, it makes sense. I mean, Superman Legacy sounds like the name of a sequel. So mm -hmm. since this is a fresh start, streamline it, you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? Um, as far as the logo, I guess if it's not broke, don't fix it. I mean, I... I don't see any change whatsoever between this logo and Snyder's Superman logo. Am I crazy? It's like a little bit sharper of a look, I guess, but it's, I, I haven't know. seen a side by side, but like, cause I scrolled past this a couple times on social media and I didn't flinch whatsoever. <laughs> I just assumed it was literally, you know, the, the old Superman logo. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, even the color palette seems like the same, which I was surprised by. I, I, I don't know. I was expecting to be brighter for some reason. I mean, how, what, how much more can you really do with the same S? No, you know? and I'm serious. Like, if it's not broke, don't fix uh -huh. it. Like, it, it's fine. I mean, it's classic, but they even went as far as replicating, like, the texture seeming, seemingly. Yeah, the texture right? is very similar, yeah. And I mean, once again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just surprised that Gunn didn't try to put his own, I don't know, his own stamp on it. Well, speaking of the more things change, the more they stay the same, it looks like Marvel Studios is working on a more grounded approach when it comes to their Disney Plus series. According to industry insider Daniel Richmond, Marvel is slowing down on making live action series for Disney Plus, choosing rather to focus on animated series and live action films instead. But future live action series that will come to Disney Plus are going to be taking more of a grounded approach, at least as their sources claim. Um, Daniel Richmond also brought up rumors of a female led White Tiger series that may be in the works following the events of Daredevil Born Again. So, yeah, I mean, they're basically bringing back Marvel Netflix. Right, because yeah. that's, that's that was the approach of Marvel Netflix. It was the street level heroes from the Marvel universe. So um, I'm fine with that. Yeah, but whoever was running, you know, Marvel TV back then is probably pissed off. <laughs> hey, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna close your whole division and then redo it on our end. <laughs> they did something to piss off Foggy, so I don't know. Uh -huh. <laughs> So I'm assuming all these series will fall underneath the uh, Marvel Spotlight logo or label. I guess, unless they just drop it and make it so that everything is Marvel Spotlight style going forward. I'm surprised they're not using the Marvel Knights brand. I mean, it's at least with comic book fans, it's synonymous with like, you know, all the street level heroes. So um, it just would make sense. But who knows? It's probably some marketing genius who, you know, no shit about comics. I mean, I guess there was also a Marvel Spotlight book at one point. Now, as far as the White Tiger uh, rumored series, no big surprise after the huge spoiler that leaked last week. Um, and I'm not going to go into details about that in case you haven't seen the spoiler yet. But do we think this could possibly be the Jenna Ortega White Tiger that we heard rumors about a while back? Possibly. I'm still surprised that they would want to use her for White Tiger, but it, it's it, if they are going to use her for that character, then yeah, I would assume you would have to make a whole show around her. Yeah, I would assume. <laughs> but that, I don't know, that rumor was from a couple years ago, so, and that's really before she really took off career-wise. So I could see her kind of like, you know, bowing out or, you know, moving on to something else, if that was even a real thing at any point. Well, sticking with Marvel, we've got a Thunderbolts rumor pertaining to the Winter Soldier. We also learned from Daniel Richmond this week that Bucky's role in Thunderbolts may have been simplified in order to highlight other characters like Yelena and U.S. Agent. Their sources also claim that President Ross won't actually factor into the main story, and that the team itself may actually have been named after Yelena's childhood soccer team as a gag. Uh, the film is still slated for May 2nd of 2025. So I don't believe the Thunderbolts was actually named after Thunderbolt Ross. Like, I understand why people would assume that, but like the, the original team had no association with Ross. So there's really no connection there. Um, now, Ross as the Red Hulk did join a version of the Thunderbolts at one point. Uh, they had like Deadpool, the Punisher, uh, Elektra, um, all on the team. Mm -hmm. But 
but I believe that's as far as his history with, you know, the Thunderbolts goes. Um, so I'm wondering if that, that rumor that he was going to be part of, you know, this film was really just pure speculation. And people just assuming because it's called Thunderbolts that, you know, <laughs> he was going to make an appearance. Yeah, I think it was mostly just because, like, people were rumoring that right after all the events of, you know, the next Captain America film, you know, that was all going to lead into Thunderbolts and that he would play probably a big role in that somehow. But I, it doesn't sound like it is. That's the case this time around. I, like, I could see him being part of the team somehow, but it's not because he has this long storied history mm. with the team. Um, you know, and I, I, I think you're right. Like Captain America four is supposed to be the lead in to this, but I was more assuming that Bucky would be kind of like the connective tissue, like story wise for the two films. Um, I'm kind of wondering if we're actually going to get like brainwash Bucky here, like the winter soldier, the true winter soldier version of Bucky, like perhaps Valentina somehow found another Russian secret code word to get, uh, the winter soldier underneath her thumb. Or even worse, like put him in a new program to like brainwash him after all the work he's done to right. clear it. I mean, listen, I love Florence Pugh's character, so I'm all for her leading this film. I mean, it feels like it was just designed for her in general. Like, I never thought that she wasn't going to be the main focus of the movie. I know it's been heavily rumored, but do we ever get like the official word that Zemo's going to be in this movie? I mean, it only makes sense. No, I don't think we've seen anything official saying Zemo is going to be in it. But yeah, I would I would hope that he is in some capacity. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty much like unspoken at this mm -hmm. point. So I'm just curious to see how they get him into the fold, you know, seeing how like anti-hero he was. They're just going to cut over to a club and there he is, you know, right. dancing away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I'm all for more dance sequences. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Not just for the dancing, though. Well, moving on, we've got a rumor that Sony's developing two more Spider-Man spinoff animated films. Daniel, with all the hot stories this week, also dropped word on Sony's future plans for more animated Spider-Man films, as it's now rumored that they're going to do a female-led project and one focusing around a Spider-Man villain. Richmond sources also wanted to clarify that the female-led animated film is in addition to the Superwoman project that was already previously announced. So this is probably a solo, like, Ghost Spider or Spider-Gwen film right like directly spinning out of uh the spider-verse i mean honestly i would hope so not just some another random pick for them out of the spider women who knows it's it's fucking sony <laughs> i mean otherwise i wouldn't mind a, a jessica drew film i mean they introduced her character uh in spider-verse right across the spider-verse yeah you know or they could do something completely separate but i feel like your first big spin-off from those films got to be go spider just because of how you know significant her role has been but also i mean that's assuming that it is a direct spin-off from those films right i mean i feel I like you're probably right um and that's what i would assume too but i mean they could do a completely separate project starring a different character i mean this is but, sony so <laughs> yeah and that would be a mistake <laughs> no i mean jessica drew's a fantastic character so mm -hmm. um but it does make sense to introduce her in across the spider-verse and then you know go from there because otherwise it might be a little confusing to audiences but i mean this is also the studio that made madam web that had like five spider women in it who exactly barely suited up apparently 
and you know they still have that Aunt May script, so they could just you know make that an animated film if they was wanted Aunt to. Was Aunt May in the in the uh, Madam Web? Uh, no, but she's like hinted at. He's uh, they asked Ben's like, oh, I'm dating someone. But Uncle Ben's in it. Yes, Uncle oh, Ben's God. in it. Okay, and say and no May more. Parker I, I, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> nauseous thinking about it. <laughs> what a convoluted mess. <sighs> I'm so glad you saw it and I didn't. It's it's so bad that it's one of those films that you have to just experience to experience no. at this point. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've experienced plenty of bad films. <laughs> I've never seen ADR I'm that good. bad in years. Like, insane. Just the amount of voices not matching up to mouths. I don't, I don't know how that shipped. Oh, really? At wow. All. Yeah. The villain, they completely redid all of his audio. I don't know what was going on there. Wow. Huh. That's bizarre. Well, once again, I'm glad I didn't see it. And I still haven't seen Morbius, you know, for the record, so. <laughs> or, or Venom 2. And I don't plan on seeing it anytime the soon. The people are calling for it, no, Damon. They no. want your opinion. Sorry. Sorry, Darth Dad. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for our Marvel news. Uh, let's talk some Star Wars. It looks like we have a release window for Andor Season 2. Stellan Skarsgård, in an interview with Games Radar, claimed the second season for Andor is most likely looking at a you know, late winter or early 2025 release as of right now. Um, though no word from Disney or Lucasfilm has been made at this time confirming you know, Stellan's comments. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much confirms what we've been hearing through the grapevine probably early next year. Uh, it gives me enough time to go back and you know revisit the first season because goddamn some good shit um it, it's just depressing to think that we're only going to get one more season out of this story yeah i mean this could have been a long-running series and i think people would have really enjoyed it or at least those who watched the first season i wonder if those numbers ever went up after everyone you know like praised it so much i hope so um i don't know star wars fans can be kind of fickle though all eyes right now is on the acolyte after the bad batch so i, I that seems like something that's going to be different for star wars as well so i'm excited for that series in the meantime well anyway lastly we got a quick update on the upcoming teenage mutant ninja turtle sequel paramount added some you know release dates to their film schedule and one of note was the sequel to the teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem film that will arrive october 9th 2026 with director jeff rowe continuing to work with point gray pictures on the film also in this report um they're apparently rebooting Naked Gun, which I don't know how to feel about. Uh, but for your information, they're they're going to make another Naked Gun film, and that's coming July 18th, 2025. I don't think you could replace Leslie Nielsen. I, I don't either. I know it's uh, the production company uh, that works with Seth MacFarlane. I know he's heavily involved with this, but it's just like I can't imagine anyone being able to live up to Nielsen's performance. So I don't know. I could see maybe like a Steve Carell pulling it off. Just because he's got that, like that perfect mix of like, I don't know, dry but absurd humor, if that makes any sense. I guess. Yeah, some <laughs> things are okay not to remake. Yeah. Speaking I, I, of I which, just... did you see the uh, <laughs> the first look at the uh, Crow, the upcoming Crow film? Oh yeah. I, I was like, why, why tattoo? Why are we going tattoos and no face makeup? Like, what's He's got a little eyeliner, but yeah. yeah well, but it, it's an easy look. It's just like white I, face paint. You know, and I, I know this like faux mullet is back in style, but I don't care how hip it gets. Like it still uh, looks fucking ridiculous to me and it's not going to age well. 
Listen, and this is from someone who had a fucking mullet sophomore year in high school. All right. <laughs> it, it just like I know it's been a thing for a few years now, but like you can't tell me that it's not out of like irony, right? Like it's supposed to be ironic, right? Like people don't actually think they look good with those. Oh, I, I think they do, Damon, at this point. Like, the amount of people getting it and continuing to get it. But this is the crow. He's supposed to look like a fucking badass. Like, you can't look like a fucking badass with a mullet. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I take that back. Magnum TA looked like a fucking badass. But that's pretty much it. And then to top things off, you get the weird, like, nipple eye tattoo. Like, the weird, like, it's a face, but, like, one of its eyes is his nip. Like, what's happening there? It's it's very much giving Jared Leto Joker. I don't. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a choice. Uh-huh. Um, I'll probably still give it a shot because it's Skarsgård, but I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't have high hopes. Maybe it's just bad character design, but great story and great acting. We can only hope, right? Right. <laughs> if anything, Sting's retiring. If they needed to get you know someone to fill in the role. He could easily do the crow. <laughs> the man is like 65 years old, Christian. I mean, face makeup only hides so much. Let the man rest. Uh-huh. Um, it's bad enough they're dropping him from the ceiling. <laughs> well, back to the original headline of the story. Um, I'm looking forward to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sequel. I really enjoyed uh, the film. I, I I didn't get a chance to review it. I think you did though on the podcast, right? Yeah, and it was okay to me. <laughs> um, I thought it was fun. Like I hated Splinter's uh, backstory. I don't know why they made that change. Doesn't really make much sense to me. But otherwise, I don't know. It was a good time. They're also doing like an animated show too. Yes, in between. So that's supposed to be you know spinning directly out of the movie. Um, completely different animation style since it probably would be way too expensive to, you know, pull that off in a, like, multi-episode series. Um, but yeah. No, I mean, I thought it looked great and I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I still can't get my daughter to watch it for some reason. Even though when she was, like, really young, she was a fan of, you know, the original animated series. But, I mean, regardless how my daughter feels about it, um, it's definitely introduced the Turtles to a whole new generation of fans. Well, Christian, before we move on, uh, this week we got a trailer for the upcoming Strangers Chapter 1. Why are you doing this to us? Because you're here. So I don't know. Uh, I thought this looked okay. Um, you know, I know I've been pretty down on this project. You know, reading the synopsis and all the different stories coming out about it. <laughs> um, but all in all, I thought the tr- the trailer looked promising. Uh, it probably shows way too much. A lot of people were surprised that this was a remake, but like after watching the sequel, like how would it possibly be a sequel to that story? Yeah, a continuation. Yeah, right. Like, I don't know. Um, I mean, there's obviously a lot of like nods to the first film, but this is still a completely different movie. Like it's not a shot for shot remake or anything like that. A lot of people are making it sound like, you know, that was the case. Like it was like a direct remake and that's, 
you know, I mean, yeah, it's a young couple in a cabin, but that's pretty much it, it seems like. Um, it looks like we're going to be outside of the cabin a little more. Um, maybe exploring the town and the people. We get a brief look at uh, Richard Brake, who's a legendary like horror character actor. He's been in tons of stuff. Uh, Mandy, a bunch of Rob Zombie things. Um, but apparently he's playing a police officer. The town definitely doesn't look very friendly. We even see what I believe is supposed to be the the two little Bible thumpers from the first film. But otherwise, it looks like just the three strangers, you know, terrorizing a young couple. Which is, you know, what you want from this film. So, I don't know. I'll probably check it out. I'm just so curious how this, like, builds into the, you know, the other two films. Because, you know, we hear all the rumors about it, like, turning into, like, a road trip adventure, <laughs> essentially, after this one. Yeah, well, it's supposed to follow, like, the survivor of this film, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, and I think that's why I was so down on the whole idea was the, the fact that it is a trilogy. Um, and, like, the synopsis just read like it was written by someone who hadn't even seen the original film. But this feels more aligned with, like, Brian Bertino's original, like, vision. So, um, you know, I mean, my issue with the sequel was it just felt like it was made by once again someone who didn't watch the original movie so i don't know I, i'll probably check this out once again like i like the concept and i love that first movie so much i mean it's, i've said it many times before but it's one of my favorite horror films of the last 20 years and that's probably one of the reasons why i'm gonna give this movie a shot like i love a good home invasion movie um and like the original did such a great job with suspense and like atmosphere. Uh, so we'll see if this can hold a candle to that. Like, I'm just, I'm afraid that they're going to try to give like a backstory or origin story to like the strangers, which I don't need. The trailer definitely hints at like possibly like a relationship of some sort mm -hmm. between two of them, which like, if that's all we get, like a little moment, you know, like the little moment we see in the trailer, that's fine. But like, I don't need some weird, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend story going on when it comes to like, you know, this film. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to watch it, I guess. I'm trying to convince myself to, <laughs> to go see this movie. It really sounds like you're like trying to push yourself to go see it. I think you should check it out. At least you get to have that perspective of like you you love the original. So hopefully this can somewhat get to maybe a, a like, you know, from you. Right, right, right. Because that fucking sequel was the drizzling shits, uh -huh. man. <laughs> you are I need, not a fan. Oh my gosh. I need something to wash the bad taste out of my mouth after that movie. <laughs> I mean, it's been what, like five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we and we reviewed that on the show. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, God, we've been doing this shit for a long time. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that just oh god. Like I remember going home and watching the original after that, just to kind of you know just trying to forget about what I just witnessed because it was just so poorly done. Um, you know, it had a couple cool moments, but that was pretty much it. Um, this was definitely like from what I've seen from this trailer, it's it's definitely trying to recapture the original spirit of the original at least so um you know before i saw the trailer uh, you know i saw a lot of articles and stuff like that and people online being just completely like flabbergasted that this was a remake 
Uh, and it scared me because I was like, oh my gosh, they didn't do like a shot for shot remake. But I don't know. I, like, once again, I don't know what people were expecting because like if you saw the sequel, like they're obviously not continuing that stories. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just hoping that it's like not too much of an homage to the first one and we don't get too many scenes that are like directly, you know, ripped out of the first movie. Um, you know, they, they they seem to be playing around with that, but, you know, in the same vein, it seems like it, it's their own original twist on everything. So, which is fine. Well, The Strangers Chapter 1 is coming May 17th. And now for the nerds review of Dune Part 2. Mild spoilers ahead. And now, our feature presentation. This prophecy is how they enslave us! It's not a prophecy. It's a story. Holy mother. Paul Atreides unites with Shani and the Freeman while seeking revenge against conspirators who destroyed his family. Dune Part 2 is directed by Denis Villeneuve and stars Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Part 1 of Dune for me was a film I kind of struggled with. Uh, it, it's just from its wild lore to its sandy backdrop. It wasn't something I could really say that I was personally into or got much of the hype around. It was a slow experience that did a lot of world building, but ultimately was what was needed to set up a much faster paced and heavier action filled sequel that is Dune Part 2, a film that you know drew me in like a moth to the flame with its classic revenge plot. Um, after the fall of House Atreides, Paul gets in you know, deep with the Freeman that you know, took him in at the end of the last film. His mother is quick to use their faith and prophecies as a way to build favor towards Paul being you know, their potential messiah. Meanwhile, Paul has visions of you know, the destruction he will cause if he does rise up to power. And while he does want revenge, he also respects the natives of Arrakis and wants to help them you know, rise up on their own. This kicks up a you know love story between himself and Shawnee, which uh, Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet do have a natural chemistry between the two of them. You know, it played off as easily as MJ and Peter did in the new Spider-Man flick, so you know they worked very well together. Um, as the skirmishes you know over controlling Arachnus intensify and they go further north, Paul's mother spreads you know more tales of his victories to the tribes in the south, using her powers to kind of push non-believers to see Paul as kind of the one. Um, that will bring them all to paradise. Um, with Spice production kind of halted, the Emperor is forced to kind of turn to an even more demented guy in Austin Butler's Fade Rutha, who at times I couldn't tell if they were just mixing his vocals with Stellan Skarsgård's Baron's voice or if Butler was just doing, you know, a wild impression. And I feel like, you know, there's probably a lot more to that in the books um, than I know. But he was still an intriguing villain nonetheless. Uh, the pressure building up, you know, leads all our characters towards the inevitable war and ultimately paul has to make a choice between you know running from his supposed destiny or taking up the mantle as the freeman's messiah story-wise i and i'm pretty shocked to say this uh there were definitely some parts in this that felt a little zoom through as the film's pace feels like you know they floored it on the gas getting us through you know some big moments after big moments 
Um, it's a massive story, but even after two and a half hours, I felt like the time just went by in a flash, which you could view as either, you know, a good thing or an okay thing. While this was a little bit more my speed compared to the first film, there were parts I felt like they could have, you know, used a little bit more time to, you know, catch its breath. Um, to give an example, Dave Bautista, who plays Beast Robin, um, went from being kind of like this tremendous force in the first film that you know helped bring down Paul's family to being portrayed a little bit more of a coward this time around and was easily defeated in comparison and his part really felt you know like a blink and you'll miss it kind of moment in this but with a cast this huge and a story this big there were so many characters that they were trying to serve and give us enough time and I'm not surprised that you know characters like his you know were kind of pushed to the wayside a little bit I mean as someone who hasn't read the books or seen the original film I can't say whether or not you know this was like a truly shafted character moment but characters like his and also even Florence Pugh's Princess uh, Arulan just felt like they needed a little bit more time to be considered more significant to the overall story but I wouldn't say anyone in the cast gave us a bad performance it was all solid acting around and I wanted to see more from just about everyone. Other than that though, the action scenes were aplenty and never disappointed with also an incredibly well choreographed final battle that didn't hold back. And you know me, hand-to-hand -hand combat with no shaky cam is always perfection. Um, Denis Villeneuve is a master at giving you, you know, something incredibly visually stimulating, even with a more bland palette such as a sand planet that is Dune. But this time around, there was enough flash and circumstance for me to be fully invested from, you know, action set piece, from the action set pieces alone. So I was definitely hooked in the more intense moments of this film. I will say if you enjoyed part one, I think you'll easily, you know, fall in love with its sequel. But what was more impressive to me was just the fact that I wasn't a fan of, of part one whatsoever and had like basically written it off. It's just something I'm never going to be interested in. But yet this one got me glued to the screen throughout its entire runtime. You know, my only real criticism is that the film at times just has a breakneck pace as it tries to juggle its massive story and ensemble cast. But ultimately, I think it lands as a decent piece of art worthy of the big screen. So I will be giving Dune Part 2 a B plus. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. Yeah! All right, I got a couple short stories here this week for gaming. Um, layoffs, again, were huge. Um, Sony apparently fired over 900 people across some of their biggest studios. Even like Insomniac wasn't safe. Um, so it's crazy what's going on. An entire branch, um, the Sony London branch of gaming, um, was completely shut down. Um, so yeah, it, it's just been nonstop with layoffs lately. Um, EA joined suit. They fired about 5% of their workforce, which is around 670 people. Uh, this supposedly killed uh, the FPS Mandalorian game that we just talked about last week that was coming from Respawn, uh, which you would think would be an easy money grab for them, but they decided to just um, scrap the game as they didn't think it was going to be something that they could actually you know, make good on their investment, um, which is pretty shocking to say. Um, but in other corporate gaming news, Saber Interactive, who has been working on the Knights of the Old Republic game, has left Embracer Group, becoming a privately owned company with a $500 million deal. We could potentially see more studios doing the same as Embracer seems to be cutting down 
or simply just bowing out of the gaming sphere altogether after you know, becoming one of the largest collectors of third-party studios over the last few years. We do know that they are currently trying to sell Gearbox as well, the studio behind Borderlands. You know, it's crazy to think that a year ago we were talking about how you know, Embracer could be the next big thing that really changes up the entire games industry with the amount of studios that they have control over and what they had been planning to do with them. But now, you know, it, it cl it's clear that they just didn't know what they were getting themselves into whatsoever. Uh, it, it, it's disappointing, but, you know, maybe with studios like Sabre getting back to themselves, becoming, you know, completely owned by themselves, they won't be dealing with massive layoffs and stuff like that and we'll be able to get good games out of it. I still want that remake of Knights of the Old Republic, and I hope that it does get you know finished at some point, as I think that game is an easy moneymaker. But with that said, um, you know, this week was a bit hectic for me. Um, I was doing everything in my power to acquire a new car, and I did achieve that. So I am going to start being able to mold my schedule a little bit better now that I have my own vehicle and I'm not sharing one with anyone. So we're going to be able to start doing a little bit more streams going forward. I just had to take a break this week just because I had to work extra to make sure that I had the money and everything for my car. That aside, we will be getting into more streams. I'm excited to get back into Helldivers and play even more new games that are coming out. There's a lot coming out this year that I want to try out. Um, and there's stuff that we still need to finish. So make sure that you're checking us out over at twitch.com slash amazing nerd show for all of our live stream goodness. And also make sure to check us out on social media at amazing nerd live, where I post you know, just random updates and thoughts on, you know, what's going on in gaming. Um, you know, we have the release of uh, the original battlefronts coming this month. So that's definitely going to be a big one that I'm going to be playing. Uh, so definitely check us out on there. Otherwise, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all your favorite social media platforms where I will be posting updates for what's going on with the streaming side of the show. But with that said, all right, let's go ahead and move on to some wrestling. Of the real fans who wanted to see the biggest WrestleMania event of all time, you took it away. You took it away. And now you're going to pay. Cody Rhodes. From the bottom of my heart, man to man, fuck your story. All right, Christian. So before we give our predictions for the uh, AEW pay-per-view coming up this weekend, uh, I wanted to talk a little uh, Rock Cody. Uh, I don't know if you're up to date on all the uh, happenings in the uh, WWE. It's in clips here and there, but I haven't been following as much. Well, uh, today, apparently The Rock dropped a huge, like, 20-minute long promo on social media. Uh, that was pretty fucking fire. Like, it was it was well done. Was a little too long, but really well done. Um, I like this new version of the character. I know a couple weeks ago I was a little harsh on it because um, it did feel like same old hat. You know, a lot of, like, catch phrases and everything but mm -hmm. i mean don't get me wrong the catchphrases are still there but there's more of an edge to the character he feels a little like more grounded and less like i don't know theatrical if you will um you know because you know i think the big issue with the catchphrases is like you know he would show up after being gone for a couple years say a couple of the catchphrases and just you know walk off into the sunset again um, you know, he's using the catchphrases, but there's more substance to his promos right now. Like there's okay, an actual okay. story going on. 
and like it's I not said, just for a cheap pop. Yes, <laughs> and there's more of an edge to his character. Like, like I, I love this cussing rock that we're getting right now. Like this, <laughs> this social media post. Like he's just swearing up a storm. Uh, and I'm guessing that's why he cut this promo here because then I was surprised. Like he's he was actually on SmackDown tonight. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, the gist of the whole promo was like him basically giving a play-by-play of everything that's happened to this point, like how they got here. Like he kind of explained why Cody gave him his spot originally, which is something that they haven't addressed and kind of are acting like didn't even happen on WWE TV. Um, But, you know, he kind of addressed that, um, explaining that, you know, Cody did it because it was best for business and like even talked about like what you know he whispered in cody's ear you know on that day when cody did like invite the rock out and you know shook his hand and you know left the ring um so i I don't know overall it's it, it was pretty fucking well done um the whole promo ended with uh rock saying fuck your story cody <laughs> which was pretty amazing <laughs> um but yeah, uh, he showed up on SmackDown. Um, you know, uh, they're teasing tension between Rock and Roman. This is all a ruse, I feel like. I mean, I think at this point it's pretty obvious that The Rock is going to turn on Roman at Mania. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be night one or night two. But everything kicks off with Roman in the ring. You know, he comes out, he asks the crowd to acknowledge him, and then he wants to leave. Heyman stops him and says, we have to wait for, you know, who to come out. But yeah, The Rock comes out. I I think they're in Arizona. But I mean, wherever they're at, like, he's calling everyone meth heads for some reason. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, just cutting a classic Rock promo. Um you know, it feels like he's cosplaying as, you know, late 90s rock with a dress shirt straight from that era. But the meat of the promo is him addressing Cody's challenge at WrestleMania last week. Cody challenged uh, The Rock to a one-on-one match uh, before he faces off against Roman. Uh, rock says, absolutely not. Um, if you want to face off against me, uh, it's going to be in a tag match. Uh, which would be, you know, him and Roman versus uh, Cody and Seth. Uh, he references Seth a bunch, um, not only, you know, on SmackDown, but also it, on his like social media posts. Like he he makes sure to bring up Seth, um, calling him a, a clown, um, you know, saying he's a clown emoji, actually over and over again to the point where I was like, okay, well, they're going to do something with this. Like I could see Seth coming out with like a clown emoji shirt or like a clown emoji suit of some sort. (laughs) It just felt like they were overemphasizing the clown emoji. Uh. So, uh, but yeah, so I'm just glad though, that they were at least focusing some of the spotlight on Seth because it really felt like he was just like a background player, um, you know, just like lost in the shuffle. So, um, so I'm glad that Seth was getting his share fair of the spotlight here, but the rock put a stipulation on the match. Uh, if you know, the bloodline wins, then it's a bloodline rules match. So basically anything goes like Roman gets to make the rules, which has been pretty much what's been happening over the last like three years. So, um, but if the bloodline loses the match, the bloodline is banned from the main event of WrestleMania. 
So then it'll be a straight up one-on-one match between Cody and Roman. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that something's going to probably happen where The Rock is going to turn on Roman. Um, The Rock mentions a couple times in both of his promos today how he is now the head of the board, which isn't true. Mm, (laughs) But how he he keeps on saying he's the boss. Um, He calls himself the boss when talking about like Seth Rollins and how he could possibly have him lose his title. Um, the crowd actually starts chanting Triple H at one point when he's doing this shtick. Um, so we'll see. I'm guessing Triple H will somehow work his way into this whole storyline. Um, but so Rock is actually about to go home with this promo and everything on SmackDown after issuing this challenge. He's, you know, doing his signature, you know, if you smell what the Rock is cooking. But halfway through it, Roman grabs his arm takes the mic and demands that the rock acknowledges him. Now the rock answers by actually acknowledging Roman and then says that he is his tribal chief. So there's a hug and then the rock actually like lets Roman finish his catchphrase, uh, you know, which Roman like puts the spin on it. You know, if you smell what the bloodline, the bloodline is cooking, um, I don't know. It was really well done. Uh, they even, <laughs> you know, The Rock made sure to put up the thumb again when he's doing the uh, whole one thing, um, which a lot of people spotted last time. So yeah, gun club, yeah, right, <laughs> guns up. Um, you know, this was definitely on purpose this time. I don't know if that was just a happy accident last time, but a lot of people are reading into that, so I think they're playing with that now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed both promos. Um, I thought it was, you know, both of them were rather well done. Um, I could see how, you know, like I said, you know, Rock's probably going to turn on Roman, um, whether it's in the tag match, making it a straight one-on-one match between Cody and Roman, or, you know, during the Bloodline, you know, rules match, somehow The Rock gets frustrated, or even like, you know, something happens during the bloodline, you know, rules match in the main event. Um, if it becomes a bloodlines rules match where, you know, the rock, you know, turns on Roman fends off the rest of the bloodline. So Cody can win cleanly. Um, I could see it going either way, but they're definitely going to set up a match between Roman and the rock, probably at next year's WrestleMania. Yeah. Like I can't imagine them wanting Roman to lose both nights. Well, I would imagine if if anything, they will have you know Roman and Rock win the tag match, but and then but there's like tension there or something happens yeah. with like some kind of miscommunication. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, or you know, Cody ends up losing and some new member joins the bloodline. <laughs> Someone who was a technically part of the group, you know that you know on Sunday, so like they're able to kind of work their way around that stipulation. <laughs> Uh, we, Does Tamatonga have you know time to join up? Well, no, he's rumored <laughs> to be showing up, so uh, like he's heavily rumored. So I wouldn't be surprised. Or we see something crazy happen, like Jay like rejoins the bloodline, or fuck Sami Zayn <laughs> rejoins the bloodline. <laughs> what a twist! <laughs> that would be quite a twist. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm still not 100 percent sold that Cody's going to be walking away uh, the world champion 
at the end of you know WrestleMania. So I just can't trust them after last year. <laughs> Man, the booze. I can't imagine them not giving them the title this year. But you know, you never know. Oh, Could be a, God, if that a happens, Sony situation here. That fucking happens. <laughs> like I hope they're completely just buried with rubber chickens. Uh huh. <laughs> like. <laughs> That would just be such a horrible mistake um, and such a huge letdown for the fans if Cody still is able to, like, finish his story. Um, like, I, you could make the argument that Cody's more over now than he was this time last year, but I feel like that's a happy accident. Like, I feel like that's just because of, like, misbooking with this whole storyline and everything like that, that it caused people to rally behind Cody um, and I would argue that this whole storyline could have still happened with Cody as the champion. Um, so I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, but I will say like, you know, for as much of a shit show, everything was for a couple of weeks. Um, they've definitely called one hell of an audible and it's been interesting seeing how it all plays out. So um, it's fun having like he'll rock back again, which is something I don't think anyone had on their bingo card for, you know, 2024, um, especially no. rocking those God awful shirts. Uh, but yeah, no, you know, it, it's been a good time. So, and, you know, honestly, like, you know, this this month is usually a lot of filler because, I mean, all the matches are almost, you know, completely set and you're just kind of like, you know, twiddling your thumbs waiting for you know mania to show up but this was enough of a twist to like make each show like must see but speaking of big shows we have a pretty big show finally here uh on the other side of the fence in AEW. Uh, AEW revolution is this weekend You're damn right uh so we thought we'd go ahead and give our predictions for the card at least what we know is on the card as of right now because I have a feeling, like, we're recording this on Friday night. I have a feeling a bunch of matches were just announced on Rampage, and we have we have no clue. Or dropped, on, yeah. Well, I think they pre-recorded Collision, too. So, um, And I have not read spoilers, so <laughs> who knows? Uh, but this is the card that we know is, like, official right now, as of right now. All right. On the Zero Hour, we have Willow and Statlander going up against Julia Hart and her friend, Sky Blue. Uh, yeah, so this match was literally just made. Um, Julie Hart has been injured, actually. So they she's been kind of off on and off camera. Um, yeah, that explains why she's slowed down a lot. Yeah, yeah, because she was working a lot mm -hmm. for a while. Uh, but yeah, no, she I, I think she came out with a house of black. She stabbed uh Briscoe in the head with a giant fucking uh spike at one point which was pretty fucking badass <laughs> i was like i hope this is like how all your feuds start with julia stabbing <laughs> someone in the forehead but otherwise she's just been kind of like an ancillary like character in this feud because the storyline's been more about willow uh statlander and uh, uh stokely so um so with that being said i'm gonna go ahead and say heart and uh sky blue end up picking up the win here um and things come to a head with stokely and uh you know willow and statlander i think i'm gonna go with statlander and willow just because i think uh that will be able to set up a potential again title match uh for the um tbs championship 
at, at a later date and then you can have you know some some mishaps with stokely just if they want to ha- keep the storyline going on because it's aw and we just have to you know keep these things moving <laughs> yeah they love their long form storylines uh-huh. so um but apparently uh that's not how things have been being booked lately a lot of uh complaints from the back i guess uh i guess it was reported by alvarez from uh, the wrestling observer that you know a lot of the locker rooms upset lately that you know it seems like they're booking by the seat of their pants um you know people are showing mm. up on dynamite not knowing what they're doing um and if they do know what they're doing plans are changing because people are refusing to do what's booked so it sounds like it's kind of a mess um you know where you know originally the first couple of years at least with AEW like it felt like Tony had like the card like locked and loaded weeks weeks if not months prior like for each dynamite uh but now it it sounds like it's more echoing you know wwe a couple years ago where you know vince was like tearing up the scripts you know five minutes before you know Mm -hmm. raw starts so uh which is unfortunate but it is what it is now you've got to take this with a grain of salt because most likely this is being leaked by a disgruntled you know employee <laughs> so wardlow is that you this might <laughs> yeah right this might not be necessarily how the entire locker room th- feels uh-huh. but you know i i'm assuming that alvarez is getting this from multiple sources but once again i mean I, it's not everyone so take it with a grain of salt well as we learned this week we are not getting the meat madness match instead we're getting the all-star scramble um, that's going to feature Chris Jericho, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Lance Archer, Hook, Brian Cage, Magnus, and Dante Martin. Uh, the winner will get a future AEW championship match. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed that the Meet Madness match wasn't happening. Apparently, um, Miro and uh, Keith Lee were planned for the match also. Uh, so that would have been with Lance Archer powerhouse Hobbs and of course Wardlow um it's a lot of meat (laughs) a lot of meat now Miro apparently on social media took exception to this story which came straight from Tony uh saying that you know Tony has known that he's been injured for quite some time now uh so who who the fuck knows I mean it sounds like Miro's one of those people who are refusing to do some of the things that are booked for him mm-hmm. um, and that's been long rumored uh, but yeah now it you know I was disappointed but I understand like why you would do this kind of scramble match I mean it's an opportunity to get more people on the card I'm almost assuming that there was probably going to be a similar match like this on the card even if the meat madness match took place um, so I don't know I'm guessing Wardlow ends up picking up yeah. the win here since there's a title shot involved and that seems to be like trajectories like headed. Yeah, that's just the natural fit for everything, depending on who, especially who's champion by the end of the night, too. Right. It's just weird that they're having a stipulation match like this with, you know, a world title shot involved since they have like they just reintroduced the rankings. Mm-hmm. So, but it is what it is. And it feels like Wardlow's been capturing enough wins where he should be ranked at this point but maybe i'm wrong well after that i have a tag team match between ftr and the blackpool combat club yeah um and maybe this is something that will happen on collision but i'm surprised that this hasn't turned into some sort of gimmick match at this point 
because we've seen like this match already pretty much which makes me think like i'm assuming then blackpool combat club's gonna win this so that they can build up to another you know bigger you know stipulation match right i mean do you think more people get involved in this feud somehow probably if you if you're thinking of like going towards like blood and guts or something like that when is blood and guts typically at like what time of the year um last year's was during summer it was in july so uh i hope they don't continue this feud all the way to then (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't become some sort of like gimmick match um if not here you know maybe you know at the next pay-per-view um, I was predicting like a dog collar match of some sort, um, just because like, once again, we've seen this match. I know it went to like a time limit draw, um, but it, it just feels strange, you know, to just, you know, do a rematch, um, especially since this has been becoming a, a pretty heated rival. Maybe bring right. back the uh, the barbed wire death match. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> they can redeem themselves, get a little bit better fireworks, you know? You know Moxley's totally, like, jonesing to redo that match, so. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, who who do you have going over? Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the uh, Blackpool Combat Club, just so it's, you know, still the faces chasing after them. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. You know, I think that's a better way to keep the feud going, because mm. I, I feel like if this isn't going to be a stipulation match... Um, you know, here it's going to eventually turn into some sort of like stipulation blow off match. Well, then up next, I have Christian Cage going up against Daniel Garcia for the AEW TNT championship. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Garcia wins. Really? I'm going to say Edge interferes, costing Christian the belt. I'm so I'm I'm going to stick with Christian Cage because I feel like they're going to do a rematch for the TNT championship with Edge. But I could see that. That would be a great twist uh, for the night um, to have Edge show up. I just don't want to see fucking Garcia lose again. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, you know, they're really pushing him. Um, and like Edge showing up, costing Christian the belt is a great way to continue that feud. And you can mm-hmm. even turn it into like a three-way dance if you want, you know, for that belt. Uh, just to kind of like keep it interesting. Um, so I don't know, I, I, you know, and this is probably wishful thinking, but I'm going to go with Garcia. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Christian Cage. After that, we have Will Ospreay versus Takesha. Uh, I think this is probably going to be the match of the night, which is not a huge prediction, obviously, <laughs> since these are two incredibly talented wrestlers. Uh, what a huge deal it is to have Osprey now officially full time on the roster. Yes. Um, that can't be overstated. Um, these guys are gonna tear down the fucking house, especially Osprey's like first official, like, you know, you know, match as an AEW contracted wrestler. Um, I'm sure he's gonna go like balls to the wall. Um I'm assuming you have to give it to Osprey since this is like first big match in. I think Osprey wins and then he goes to shake Takesha's hand at the end and, you know, the Callus family jumps him. Mm-hmm. I feel like AEW is desperate for a true, like, number one babyface right now and Osprey fits that bill. It would just be booking malpractice to keep Osprey heel. Though I do like him as a heel, but yeah. 
I do want to catch this, continue to get wins, but you know, I when it comes to going up against Osprey, I think you have to just give it to him. I think he could get over in a loss here. You mm-hmm. know, like if you're gonna put on a fucking match of the year candidate, like I think Takesh will be okay. Like there's no shame in losing to Osprey. Mm-hmm. Right? None at all. You know, especially if they're putting on a classic. Uh, up next, we have Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson for the Continental Crown Championship. Um, if Brian Danielson loses, he will have to shake Kingston's hand. It's going to pay me to say this, but I think Eddie's going to win. Um, and the only reason yes. why I say it, it pains me to say this is just because I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sick of of Brian losing these big matches. <laughs> <laughs> but like I know he doesn't want to win any belts it seems like in AEW so um, I don't see that changing here unless they have like a bigger story to tell um, so yeah I think you know Brian's going to end up shaking Eddie's hand at the, at the end of the night it's going to be a hell of a match this is a great card and they've done a really awesome job of you know building up all these matches um, you know, it's one of the better like booked cards in quite a while, pay-per-view wise. I wonder if he goes to shake his hand and then still spits in his face or like ends up attacking him while holding his hand afterwards. Like, I feel like they could, they're probably going to continue the story somehow. Maybe. I kind of hope not just because like we're running out of time with Brian. Mm. So. <laughs> I want to see him feud with pretty much everyone on the roster, especially like, you know, an incoming Osprey. Like, we haven't seen that fucking match yet. No. You know, so, or like a swerve or like, you know, rekindle things with Hangman. Um, So while I, I feel like, you know, Kingston and him can have a great program, I just don't want to lose like months and months of time to it. While he has like so many like potential, like amazing dream opponents, you know, on the roster waiting for him. Speaking of time, we have Timeless Tony Storm going up against Deanna Perrazzo for the AEW World Championship. I'm going to say Tony Storm. I agree, but I'm mostly watching this match for the spectacle of the camera switches. <laughs> I hope we get one and that's it. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be a mess, I'm sure. So while I really enjoy Tony's new gimmick, I'm hoping that like in ring wise, Deanna brings out the old Tony, especially since that's kind of like part of their whole storyline, story right? Yeah. Um, just because, like, I feel like Tony hasn't put it all together in the ring yet when it comes to this new character, um, and she's kind of lost what made her like just such an amazing wrestler, um, in the first place. So. You know, I'm I'm hoping that we get like flashes of the old Tony here. You know, keep the gimmick, but just pull back a little when it comes to your ring work. I definitely feel like they're going to give this match time um, and we'll most likely see Tony go over, uh, especially with like Mercedes and everything on the horizon. Um, I feel like that's the bigger match in general. So you think Mercedes, when she shows up, she's going to be right in the title picture? I could see them doing like a small feud just to get Mercedes like, you know, based. But at the same time, I think she's going to get to the title pretty quickly. Right. I mean, they do have the rankings now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, 
you know, she's going to have to get some wins underneath her belt first, but, you know, but that's pretty easy to do, right? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think this is going to be a hell of a match. Up next, I have the AEW World Championship match between Samoa Joe, Hangman Adam Page, and Swerve Strickland. So yeah, this past week, uh, storyline-wise, we found out Hangman's injury was a big swerve, um, no pun intended. Uh he came out on a crutch, claimed that he wasn't going to be able to compete in the match. And, and then while Swerve was addressing Joe, uh, Adam Page pounced, attacking him with a crutch, knocking him out cold. You know, his descent into Hildum continues, um, even though the crowd, like while he's wrestling, seems to be <laughs> it's still cheering him. Um, he's definitely supposed to be heel now. Uh but, you know, it, it's a weird dynamic between these three guys because it just feels like the crowd loves all of them and doesn't uh-huh. really want to boo any of them. So, um, yeah, I, I'll be curious to see what the crowd's response to this match is like in the pay-per-view and like who's going to be, you know, perceived as the number one baby face in this match. The question is, though, who comes out with the title? I'm saying Joe. Still Joe? Yeah, yeah oh. I think... If it ended up being a one-on-one situation between mm-hmm. Swerve and Joe and like Paige for some reason, you know, and if Paige, you know, due to you know what we heard rumored like uh, personal reasons, wasn't able to compete in this match, um, I feel like then they might have had Swerve end up, you know, winning that title because they wouldn't want him eating the pin against Joe. But I think now that Paige is factored into this match that gives them the ability to kind of prolong Swerve's ascent to the top mm. a little, have Joe walk away with the title, have Hangman, you know, somehow cost, you know, Swerve the match. And then, you know, you can have, you know, Swerve capture it in a month or two. So, um, you know, really building up more momentum yeah. to like this, like fever pitch. If done right. Because I do feel like Swerve has to like vanquish hangman first like completely um because i could even see you know a situation where joe walks away the champion you know hangman and swerve have another match um you know maybe with some sort of stipulation uh and hangman actually ends up winning that match uh and then Mm. you know you have another you know uh, you know another match that you know gets you know swerve back in contention you know, for the title somehow against Hangman. I just really want to see Swerve as champion, but I am willing to wait. Because I, I, I do feel like with a triple threat, it makes more sense to have Joe continue to be champion, but with him only having one title defense before this right. and everything like that. Right. And that that's uh, what like if this was like in the middle of like a six month reign, then yeah, I would like, okay, well, Swerve is going to end up, you know, winning the belts here. But since Joe just started as world champion, you know, a month or so ago, I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen them do it yet, um, but I just, I don't feel like we're going to get like a short title reign. Um, not that it'll hurt Joe. And like, I feel like you do need to eventually do something like that because it just feels all like all too like predictable. You know, like like every like new champion's first couple feuds, you know, it's pretty obvious, like, you know, they're going to walk away still retaining. Um, so eventually they're going to have to have someone be, you know, a transitional champion. 
but I just don't know if this is the time or the place. And I feel like you could still get Swerve even hotter if you really wanted to. I almost wonder if like somehow Swerve uh, takes the pin or, you know, Swerve uh, gets like just pushed away by Joe so that he can just get a quick pin on uh, Paige. That'd be classic you know, WWE so like almost, <laughs> Yeah, almost getting the win and then, yeah, just stolen last possible second. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to Joe, but I really, I will pop if Swerve. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it'd be huge, you know, so I'm not going to be upset if fucking Swerve wins, but uh, I just don't think it happens here yet. And also remember, like it's been pretty much confirmed by Tony this week that we're going to be getting almost monthly pay-per-views. Like he said, Jeez. somewhere around like nine or ten pay-per-views a year. So, uh, so we won't have to wait that long for Swerve to mm-hmm. get you know this belt. Um, you know, because I mean that's definitely going to happen on pay-per-view. But like, it's not like you know two or three years ago when there was only four pay-per-views. So there was like yeah. three months in between every show. All right. With that said, we're in our main event, which is Sting and Darby Allen going up against the Young Bucks in a tornado tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Man. um, One, I'll be curious to see if they do like the pomp and circumstance before the match or after the match, because they're definitely going to have to do something to honor Sting. Um, you know, I don't know, like if they're going to be presenting him with something or have people like, you know, come into the ring and like pay tribute. Um, I'm kind of figuring that's going to probably take place afterwards. Uh, but I could be wrong. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would figure that all the ceremony stuff would be afterwards and they can, so they can stay serious. Cause I mean, the ser- storyline is about, you know, him getting revenge for his sons yes. and stuff like that. I feel like it'd be a little weird for them to be like, which brings me a little party before, which actually brings me to the finish. Um, So I think because like the honor of his children is involved, like Sting has to go over here. Right. And I know as like an old school guy, he's probably going to want to do the traditional thing, which is like, go out on your back, um, you know, putting over your opponent. um, as like one final act for the business, but, no one wants to fucking see that. <laughs> no, but I could also see like the the belts being on the young bucks after this would be you know pretty big for what they're doing with their characters right now. I feel yeah, like that would be fun. I know what you're saying, but like they attacked his his kids, so yeah. maybe there's some way for him to get revenge without winning the match. I think Tony's probably gonna let Sting choose whatever finish he wants oh, to yeah. choose. So and knowing Sting, he's gonna want like once again, he's gonna want to do the traditional thing of, you know, putting over your opponent in your last match. Yeah. So which is fine, but it's just gonna feel like such a downer. But they can also quickly rectify that, you know, with like I said, you know, a ceremony with all the pomp and circumstance, you know, honoring Sting afterwards. So yeah, I'm sure he'll do like one last promo or speech. Oh as yeah, heads on out. Yeah, you know? no, I feel like that's a must, right? So yeah, and I'm sure they'll set it up in a way where Sting gets like enough revenge on the Bucks at the end, and they get some kind of fluky kind of win, you know, like a roll up or something like out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, but I ex- like I expect some crazy spots 
here and there and like maybe even some like cameos and shit like that from like Sting's past in this match. <laughs> so um, it should be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sure the Bucks are going to like make Sting look like a million dollars out there. Absolutely. Um, I, di- I didn't need Ric Flair uh, attacking them. No, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't like save that for the actual match. Uh, but but after seeing like Flair's working punch nowadays, like it looked like he was moving underwater. Like uh-huh. it wasn't pretty. And like, listen, Especially with- the dude's 75 years old. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> someone has to be the adult in the room and tell him no at this point. Yeah, it's just it was so weird to see that, like them having to, you know, sell that and then go back to, you know, selling for the actual attacks from like right. Darby and everyone. I will say I got chills when he dropped down from the ceiling. So, <laughs> you know, it, it hit the right nostalgia button for me. Uh-huh. I'm surprised they did that there, and you know, like, because you would think his last entrance would be, you know, him coming from the rafters in some form. But yeah, but they typically didn't do that as an entrance for him. So like, this was the right time storyline wise. So I remember one time, I remember one time they had him fucking propelled down from the fucking rafters and rescued DDP. Like, actually, like put like another harness on DDP. While he was like between his legs, basically, and like then like got, and then they both got like ho- hoisted up. <laughs> it was it looked so insane and just incredibly dangerous. <laughs> I can't imagine them doing something like that now. But speaking of which, apparently Tony uh, kind of actually reached out to Martha Hart uh, to get her blessing and everything like that because I'm assuming he felt like it would be in bad taste not to do so seeing like how everything happened with Owen. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty classy. Yeah, definitely a classy move. I wasn't expecting it just cause like, you know, I, I he stings so known for doing stuff from the rafters like that. It's like a spot he's done a million times. I wasn't thinking about like, Oh, how that might look to I, like, considering I, everything that's going on with Martha. And I believe like after Owen passed, I think they stopped doing that. You know, um, out of respect. I could be wrong, though. But I believe I remember, like, an interview where they talked about that. And honestly, like, I wouldn't blame Martha for feeling a certain way about that. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing everything that's happened. Mark. But anyway, like I said, I I feel like the Bucks and Tony are going to make sure that Stink has, like, one hell of a send-off. I just hope Stink doesn't try to jump off anything, like, too high. (laughs) Knowing that it's his last match. Don't worry, there'll be um three stacked tables underneath. You know, oh for my to go God, through, I... so. <laughs> just just take it easy. I don't need to see him like <laughs> you know end his career like leaving on a stretcher uh-huh. or anything like that. So I could totally see the Bucks like dressing up like Surfer Sting. Oh yeah, different versions, right? Yeah. Like maybe one of them does like Surfer Sting and the other does like Joker Sting. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. Do you think Stink comes out to the Metallica song again? He's kind of, he kind of has to, right? I'm hoping that it's like, you know, an Undertaker WrestleMania level entrance. I'm sure there's probably going to be some fun video package that Darby's you know, filming as we speak. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a video package. That's for sure. They Well, they did for Wembley, right? Didn't they do like a, a Jack the Ripper type deal? Yeah. So, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm sure Darby has something up his sleeve. Absolutely. 
And like I said before, I'm guessing we're going to have some cameos from Sting's past also mm-hmm. like involved in the match. Um, who? I'm not quite sure. Um, but I would expect to see like someone like like Lex Luger like sitting at ringside, um, you know, stuff like that. But like I said before, um, this is one of the better builds we've had in quite some time for an AEW pay-per-view. Um, I mean, top to bottom, this card is fucking stacked. Um, so I don't know. Should be one hell of a night. Well, that does it for this week. As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five star review. It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to grow. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by the AmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some nerd show swag, you can head over to tpublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd show swag as long as you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere.